Hello and welcome to Life in Their Sandals. This is a podcast where we dive deep into the lives of biblical people to determine how we should live as Christians today. I'm your host, Chris McGrath, and today we have the incredible opportunity to talk about a man in scripture known as Stephen. And we see Stephen in the scripture introduced in the book of Acts chapter 6. And he is a man of honest report, wisdom, and full of the Holy Ghost. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because he has chosen to work in the early apostolic church to help in the ministry towards Hellenist Jews. Their widows were not being treated the same as Jewish widows. And Stephen was chosen by the apostles to be one of the seven deacons who would carry out this important ministry. This is not where we see the end of Stephen's ministry, however, because Stephen would later go on to do great wonders and miracles among the people as he preached to them. We see Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 6 preaching in the synagogue of the Libertines or the synagogue of the freedmen in some other versions of the Bible. Historians believe that these men at the synagogue were Hellenist Jews like Stephen, who were not completely Jewish in their culture, but they had at some point been introduced into uh, the Greek culture. And they were trying to live according to Jewish law, but they spoke Greek, and there, of course, were certain things from Greek culture that infiltrated into their beliefs. They hate what he is saying about Jesus. They hate what he is saying about the apostolic church and the revival that's happening. And so they're not able to reason against him because Stephen was powerful and he really knew the scriptures. So they decide that they are going to spread lies about Stephen. And they even would go so far as to hire false witnesses to testify against him. And they tell the court of the Sanhedrin that Stephen has committed blasphemy against the temple. And they misquote what he said about Jesus speaking how he would destroy the temple and raise it up. But of course, Stephen and Jesus, for that matter, were not talking about the physical temple but the body of Jesus Christ. So Stephen is seized and arrested, and he's taken before this court of the Sanhedrin, this council. And it was the same council that Jesus had been put to death by uh, shortly before in the Gospels. And Stephen here is put on trial for blaspheming the temple. And this council is made up of Sadducees and Pharisees and all of the religious elite at the time. And they bring in Stephen and they ask him if it's true what the witnesses were saying about him. Stephen, although it might not appear on the surface as such, is on a trial for his life. And his answer to the Sanhedrin is incredible because he does not make a show of defending himself or to even accuse his accusers of lying, but he chooses to defend the gospel first and foremost. He preaches one of the longest sermons recorded in scripture anywhere. He starts to walk the Sanhedrin throughout their history, Jewish history, that they would have been perhaps far more educated in than Stephen, although they were spiritually blind to see it. And he talks about Abraham and how Abraham was the covenant of circumcision. And unlike Abraham, the Jewish leaders of the day were uncircumcised in their heart and in their ears. And he talks about Joseph and how the Sanhedrin had just committed a sin tantamount to what the patriarchs had done to Joseph by selling him into slavery. Just as Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery for silver, the Sanhedrin had bought the life of Jesus from Judas for silver. Stephen talks all the way from Abraham to Solomon through the life of David and so many others, to show that the Sanhedrin were not the descendants of faith of Abraham that they thought they were. 
but that they were more like Joseph's brothers. So Stephen here, who was indicted of charges of blasphemy, indicts the highest Jewish rulers of the greatest sin in Jewish history. He tells them that when they read the scriptures, they think that they are more like Joseph, but they're really more like his brothers. This culminates in verses 51 and 52 of Acts chapter 7, where Stephen says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. The words had no sooner left Stephen's mouth than the members of the Sanhedrin rushed to him and gnashed on him with their teeth. Stephen, in this moment of persecution, sees a vision of Jesus welcoming him into heaven. The Sanhedrin are not able to see this vision due to their own spiritual blindness, and they cry with loud voices and they stop their ears and grab Stephen in their arms, and they drag Stephen out of the city so that they wouldn't profane the temple by killing him there, and they begin to stone him. This group of religious elite, who had no right in the law to kill Stephen in this manner, shed their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus, and they continued to hurl rocks at Stephen. As they stoned him, Stephen, following the example of Christ in the crucifixion, asks God to receive his spirit and cries with a loud voice that God would forgive the people who were in that very moment killing him. These are the last words Stephen spoke before passing from this life into the next, where he was assuredly welcomed by his Lord Jesus. So what are some of the takeaways that we can grasp from the life of Stephen and putting ourselves in his sandals? I think an important one is that Stephen was equipped to give a ready answer, not just for his defense at his accusers, but to give a ready answer for his faith. Rather than worrying about preserving his own life on earth, he was more concerned with preserving the integrity of the gospel. When words fail, God will vindicate his people, but it might not take the form that we expect it will. Stephen's face, when he was brought before this council, began to shine just like the face of Moses when he came down from the mountain. But he was not saved physically, but spiritually. Sometimes the tools that the enemy uses to hurt the church, in this case, the tool of stoning to try to kill Stephen and to crush the apostolic church, actually moves the church forward. If you can remember in the Gospels, when the Sanhedrin killed Jesus, they opened the door for his resurrection, which still to this day allows all humanity to be saved. By killing Stephen, they sparked the fire of the conscience of a young man named Saul of Tarsus, who was no doubt moved by the conviction of Stephen's preaching in the face of death. This same Saul, as we know today as Paul, would carry the gospel further than what the Sanhedrin could have possibly imagined. And I think the final and the most important thing we can learn from this specific narrative in the Bible, the story of the stoning of Stephen, is that man cannot measure the success of a ministry. Stephen started out waiting tables for disenfranchised Hellenist widows. The apostles said uh, that they didn't have time to stop preaching, to go wait tables, and that, of course, was the right choice, and they chose someone else to do it. They delegated the responsibility to Stephen. And Stephen gets his start in ministry doing something so simple, but pretty soon we see him now preaching and he's working powerful miracles and he's working wonders in front of all the people, causing so many to believe, but also causing some to disbelieve and to hate. 
We only get to read one sermon from this ministry of Stephen. But perhaps his death, just as it was in the life of Jesus, was the greatest part of his ministry. We read this sermon, which is actually a defense for his life, as we spoke about moments ago. And it's clear that if this sermon was for anybody, it was for the Apostle Paul, who, as he stood there, had to watch someone die for their faith, someone who would go before him in the kingdom of God, as Paul would later have to die for the same faith. We don't exactly know why God chose to use Stephen's life in this way. But the point for every Christian today is this. We have to be expendable for the cause of Christ in our lives. Because if something were to happen to us physically, and God forbid that it does, we know that spiritually we would be welcomed into heaven by Jesus. And so even if God chooses you listening to this podcast to walk down a road that you think is too hard or too scary, Know that your life is safe in the hands of Almighty God, who has demonstrated his power over death, hell, and the grave countless times, and he will do it in your life too. So whatever you're going through, hopefully it's not certain death, but no matter what it is, know that if God has called you to go through this, then he will see it through to the end of time. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today, and I hope you enjoyed listening to the story of Stephen. I think it's a powerful narrative in scripture that we have so much to learn from. I hope you tune in next week. We will be talking about someone who is very integral to the story of the Bible, and I know that you will enjoy it. Hope to see you next time, but in the meantime, be blessed. Have a great week.